Hi, this is Greg Kilstrom. Welcome to season three of the Agile World, where we discuss customer and employee experience, organizational and workforce transformation, and how business can adapt and continually improve in an Agile age. The Agile World podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed in this show, you can go to my website at theagile.world and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile World podcast. Today, we're going to talk about the exponential enterprise and how companies can achieve and sustain growth despite continual change and disruption in all aspects of the world around us. Monitor Deloitte recently released a report entitled an exponential enterprise framework to help companies double their valuations even during continuous disruption and change. And I'm joined by one of its co-authors, Rich Nanda, Principal, U.S. Monitor Deloitte Practice Leader. Rich, welcome to the show. Greg, thank you for having me. It's awesome to be here. Why don't you um, start by giving a little background on yourself and your role at Monitor Deloitte? Yeah, um, Greg, I'm a uh, consultant for the last 20 years or so, and uh, have always practiced at the intersection of um, strategy, transformation, and technology. So, you know, helping companies really think through um, how they compete, what advantages they want to invest in, um, then actually implementing those um, those capabilities through through transformative uh, work, and increasingly. All of that requires uh, the application of technology like digital and analytics. And so that's the space that I've been playing in. And for the last three years, I've been leading our monitor Deloitte practice here in the United States. Um, And we have all of those capabilities within our practice and, of course, connected to the broader capabilities of Deloitte. Wonderful. Well, I'm really looking forward to diving in here. And I, I really enjoyed reading the report. I mean, this is... Um, right up, right up my alley as far as what you know, what I like to talk about on this show. So really looking forward to it. So let's let's dive in here, and I'm gonna pull a few stats um, from the report, and then and then ask you something here. So 60% of CEOs and senior executives believe that disruptions similar to those seen in 2020 will repeat in the future. Um, and second stat here: in 1965, the average tenure of a company on the S&P 500 was 33 years. But by 2026, that will be less than half, only 14 years. So what do these and some of the other figures say about not only the current environment, but the near future of the business environment that business leaders should be paying attention to? Look, you can see these figures and, you know, it can sound like bad news um, in terms of, you know, the degree of disruption or the ability for companies to, to persist. But I see a lot of um, opportunity in these numbers. Um, and so I'd, I'd like to, you know, make sure we start with a, a frame of, of optimism about, you know, all of this change and disruption does spell opportunities for companies that seize those opportunities and find advantage in the degree of change um, and disruption. So, so, you know, let's lead with that. You know, the other thing that that is important to just acknowledge about the current environment and the environment going forward is disruption is going to be continuous. And certainly a big part of that is technology and the pace of, of technological innovation and how 
technology is a bigger, bigger part of society and and how companies provide value to their customers and, and broader set of stakeholders. And so with you know, technology innovation moving faster and faster and coming right to the center of how companies create value, you know, that's a big part of it. But in a more connected world, things like, you know, geopolitical shifts, um, the empowerment of, of workers and equality of, of financial outcomes across society. I mean, all of these things interrelate. And when change is continuous and these potential disruptors are all interrelated, what, what we see happening is, you know, more changes coming and those changes having an overlapping effect or a derivative kind of effect of one on another. And I think the supply chain, the global supply chain situation we're seeing right now is a, is a terrific example where, you know, there's been a number of factors at play that have created the situation. The pandemic was the first shock to the system, but there's a whole host of other things around, you know, worker shortages, infrastructure investments, et cetera, that have gotten us to where we are, you know, with a um, struggling global supply chain. I love the the optimistic outlook that you're that you're proposing as well, because I, I mean, I do agree as as while there's certainly been unfortunate um, events occurring, I, I do believe that, um, you know, change, whether it's, you know, one time or continual change, you know, it, it does present opportunities to improve. And um, I think, you know, to go into the the report itself, um, you know, let's talk about what uh, monitor Deloitte and and the the report that you that you helped create defines as this exponential enterprise. So, what is first you know for for those listening that may have not read the report already, you know, what does that term mean as you've defined it, and you know, what are some of the defining characteristics? Yeah, two things that we would um, encourage companies to to think about, and um, you know, their data would suggest makes them an exponential enterprise. One is a high ability to win, and that means you know you have a long-term strategic vision um, that is supported by distinctive uh, assets and capabilities within the company that that spell competitive advantage, right? Differentiated from what others have, and that's a fairly traditional strategy view of you know how companies tend to thrive as they have these inherent competitive advantages that spell an ability to win. But given we're in a more disruptive and fast changing environment, we're we're seeing a second criteria emerge as a key characteristic, which is a capacity for change. So companies that have a more flexible and scalable operating model, a leadership vision that allows businesses to experiment and change, and flex and adapt into the external conditions and monetize their existing ability to win in different ways or create new ability to win and capacity to change. So exponential enterprises are bringing both that ability to win, but also um, a capacity for change that that continuous adaptation and innovation. And we found the data that data proves this out, the companies that have both of those to a strong degree, um, you know, their valuations uh, in terms of PE ratios were 176% better than their peers, and they were 30% less volatile. So, you know, more valuable and, um, you know, less change in those valuations. 
let's dive into the capacity for change um, a second here, because, you know, on the surface, um, capacity to change for change and desire to change, you know, what, what is the real difference between those? I mean, you know, you could, you could make some, some initial assumptions, but it's, it seems like most organizations have a desire to change. They know that the world is changing around them, but you know, how, how does one differentiate between capacity and desire in this case? Yeah, look, um, I have a desire for six pack abs, um, <laughs> right. but I can't, you know, like they, they're just not there. Um, so it does take focus, um, persistence, good enterprise habits, um, that, and there's not just one, you know, one element that gets you that capacity for change, just like there's not one thing that's going to get you six pack abs, right? A few capabilities, right. That we see in companies that have a high capacity for change are, um, one, they're nimble, right. And so they can sense and adapt to shifts in the external environment in a very proactive way. And usually companies that are more nimble tend to experiment more, right? They tend to have data and insights that come from non-traditional places and in a more um, you know, frequent fashion. And so they're smarter about the uh, external environment and they see p- patterns that they can then um, execute and react to. And in an organization that experiments, you know, they just have the habits of doing things differently um, more often. And so there's nimbleness would be one. The second that we tend to see is there's scalability in the organization. And so um, they have infrastructure that is digitized and can you know scale up or down as demand changes. They have workforce that's adaptable and allows them um, to scale up and scale down. The third element of a capacity for change is um, stability. So under stress, the organization holds together and maintains its efficiency and effectiveness. A great example, we've referred to supply chains earlier. You you do have companies that despite all this global supply chain um, stress and challenges, they're actually continuing to hum because they've built um, the right tools into their supply chain, the right um, redundancies uh, to get to ensure supply um, and meet um, meet and demand. And then the last trait um, that we tend to look for in a capacity for change is optionality. Every, every company would like more and more options at their disposal, but some companies are better at creating those options via strategic partnerships um, that allow them to bring net new capabilities into the organization um, in a more frequent basis. And those options translate into more nimbleness scalability and stability over time. So there's a multiplier effect through optionality. Yeah. And in the report, you noted that, uh, you know, 94% of exponential enterprises retain their capacity for change advantages over their peers, even during the pandemic. So, you know, it's, it's clear that, um, you know, some of those things that you, you just mentioned are um, certainly differentiating factors. Anything any other differentiating factors that come to mind or, um, you know, things that kind of helped some of those, um, those exponential enterprises really um, rise to the occasion, I guess, during, during the pandemic. Yeah. Like I found this to be one of the most compelling data points out of the research, right? So, um, you know, 94% of exponential enterprises, the pandemic 
didn't knock them off their stride. Yeah. Right. So they retained those advantages even through, you know, a very acute and far reaching disruption. And and I think, you know, some stories maybe help bring this to light, but in the healthcare space, you know, you had companies like Anthem was one of my favorites that, you know, we've, we've, we've written about and shared as a, a case study, but a traditional health care provider that had a lot of important data about hospitals, about patients, um, how those things relate to each other. But that data wasn't necessarily talking to each other and it wasn't automated. There was no intelligence getting cleaned from that data about how things could be done differently or better. And Anthem saw that as an opportunity several years ago, well ahead of the pandemic. And and the chief digital officer by the name of Rajiv Ranaki, he came in and said, look, we can be a much better health company if we see ourselves as a platform to move this data around with more intelligence. And that's exactly what they did. They invested in modernizing that data, getting it into consistent platforms, applying automation on top of it, and then ultimately AI um, to understand more and be more predictive. And sure enough, during the pandemic, what happened was they were able to do things like nudge patients who were afraid of going in to get care because of fear of contracting the virus, they were able to nudge them and say, hey, it's really time to go get this preventative care. And here's some safe places you can go to get that care. Or here's a way to get, you know, telemedicine to support you while you're uncomfortable coming in, you know, to a medical facility. And so that's just an example of it's foresight. It's coming from the top. It's applying the, you know, the, the tools of the day, these digital tools to create real differentiation and provide value that, you know, was um, recognized by all people in the value chain and makes Anthem a stronger player and able to persist, you know, through that capacity for change. But it can't be done on the fly. You have to see it ahead of time. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the meaningful measurement of this capacity for change. So um, in the report, you mentioned 70% of CEOs and senior senior execs don't have confidence in their organization's ability to adapt and transform in response to disruptive events. Where can they start building this capacity for change and, and change at a more rapid pace? Yeah, I, you know, again, I think this is multifaceted. So the, the first place you have to start is, is just with the leadership outlook and the culture that top leadership brings to the organization. And one of the things that I that I often look for with with clients is a growth mindset. In order to see opportunity in disruption, you have to have a growth mindset. Um, and so, our leadership teams encouraging experimentation. Are they recognizing that innovation will lead to failure, and those failures ought to be celebrated and built upon? Are they creating environments for more? cross-functional teaming for um, people to move with more pace. Um, so that growth mindset is really important you know, starting point because without that, you know, the culture will just slow, slow companies down. So really measuring and observing how teams are working together and how encouraged they are to grow. And then the second place I'd go is very related to this Anthem example. What information assets are you sitting on as an organization and how well does that data and information readily translate into insight that the company can act upon how connected is it to 
data and information on the outside um, that you can act upon. And again, I think there's just many companies where, you know, the data and insight isn't yet rich enough and connected enough. And so that's a foundational investment that needs to be put in place. And the third one I'd say here is really measuring your own, you know, your own organization by the company you keep. So, you know, which partnerships are you building, whether that's with, you know, customers, suppliers, third-party technology providers like the uh, the cloud hyperscalers, how are you introducing outside-in thinking uh, into the organization? How are you making one plus one equal three, right? The more of those partnerships that, I, that a CEO can observe in the organization, uh, I would say the more progress they're likely to make. From a metrics or quantitative measure perspective, how do you recommend organizations think about measuring success as an exponential enterprise. So, you know, what's the, what are the metrics? What are the KPIs um, that should be, you know, that should be top of mind and trying to measure uh, effectiveness here? This is a really important question. And, and, and it's a tricky one to answer because it's not a, a one size fits all. It really yeah. does you know, require, you know, companies to reflect on their own conditions. But what, what I always encourage clients to do is look, you have to start with, the things that actually measure enterprise value and, you know, for publicly traded companies, there's a set of growth and earnings and valuation metrics that are going to matter. And for most private companies, there's a similar set of metrics. So, you know, you have to start there. You can't not measure the things that the C-suite, you know, is getting measured on by, by shareholders and, and the board. Right. Um, but, but those then have to get distilled down into um, additional metrics that, you know, and no more than 10 or 12, you can't, you can't over measure the, the company at the top for sure, but no more than 10 or 12. That's a nice balance of, um, traditional metrics that say, yep, yep. Growth is coming from the markets or the products we expect it to be coming from, or that profitability and, and earnings are, are trending in the right way. So some traditional things, but then what are the metrics that give you foresight um, into, you know, are you innovating in the right ways? Um, are you going into you know, the right customer segments? And so more of those leading and predictive indicators um, become really important. And again, it, it's, it, it's, it's hard work to really figure out what are those metrics that matter the most. But my encouragement is making sure it's a balance of um, the, the traditional things that drive the business with some more forward-looking things that indicate the business is on the right track um, um, for these future scenarios that are going to play out. One last topic area before we wrap up. Uh, I want to talk about uh, what leaders can do to set their organizations up for success. So for business leaders listening to this show, um, you've defined three new challenges for 21st century leaders in the report. Um, do you mind talking through these and what they mean to the exponential enterprise? You know, and we talked a little bit about some of these in the, in the setup, but the, the first leadership challenge is, is, look, the speed and complexity of change is not slowing down, right? And so that just means the environment will be more volatile, more uncertain, um, and more, more complex. And, you know, the implication is the business scenarios that a company is likely to face you know, today are a multiple of what they were in the past and in the future will be even a multiple of that. 
And that's just, you know, the, the, the reality and the exciting part um, for, for optimists of the current business environment. So how do you set up a leadership style, a framework um, and a management team that's just adept at more, more change? You know, the second is that in that environment, there will be acute disruptions that are, you know, shocks to the system that you have to respond to immediately. But more often than not, there's just going to be these chronic disruptions that are happening a little bit at a time. And how do you build insight into what, where those are, why they're happening, and how you take advantage of them? Because yeah, coming back to said, I said something meaning disruption will will be the norm, and they're going to, you know, these things will will overlap. And then the last challenge is that we are in a more digital world. You know, the economy is still, you know, according to the Bureau of Economic Analysis, less than 10% digitized. We're on our way to something close to 100% over time. And in that environment, the ability to insulate yourself from change in a more connected, fast-moving world, you know, goes away. And so how do you actually use that as an advantage to use connectedness as a way to create speed and opportunism, you know, versus is defense, play offense instead of defense. So for those organizations that may not yet be an exponential enterprise, uh, you know, last question here, you know, how do you recommend that an organization starts that path? I mean, what, where, um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of great insights. There's a lot of, a lot of great things here. Where does somebody start on this path? Greg, the, the first thing a company has to do is, you know, and this comes back to the two dimensions of the the exponential enterprise, the ability to win and the capacity for change, that there needs to be a strategic North Star, right? What is this? Where Where is the company really good? How are we going? Where are the areas we're going to win in that align the organization? Because in a, in a fast moving world, it's easy to get confused. So that North Star, you know, provides a very clear and durable long-term ambition that aligns to those historic ability to win areas. The second then is just get really clear. What is our capacity to change, right? Across the number of future scenarios that might play out, how how good are we um, at uh, harnessing the change for good? And then getting after building in more capacity for change where they're not. And that would include looking at the operating model and is it set up for maximum effectiveness? Um, is the leadership team you know, set up for maximum nimbleness? And so adapting the organization is going to be important. The other thing that's that's really essential here is recognizing that a high capacity for change is going to mean that there will be shifts. So how good are we are not only understanding those shifts, but then executing um, and activating them um, as well. And then lastly, stewarding more leaders that are adept at operating in this environment. And so, you know, the, the amount of human capital that's good at this is, is scarce. So how do you acquire and develop as much human capital to do that as possible? So those would be a handful of things I'd encourage all business leaders to think about. That's great. Well, Rich, thanks so much for joining the show. Uh, for those listening, what's the best way for them to access the report as well as to keep up with what you're doing? If you simply go to our uh, Monitor Deloitte website or Google Monitor Deloitte Exponential Enterprise, you'll um, you'll find the report. 
my contact information is in there. I tend to be active on on Twitter and LinkedIn on these business topics. I'd love to connect with people um, and hear from them as well. Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Rich Nanda, principal at U.S. Monitor Deloitte Practice Leader for joining the show. Um, and I highly recommend you check out the report uh, on an exponential enterprise framework to help companies double their valuations even during continuous disruption and change. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World podcast brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.